renewal of the mind, and we're looking at Paul's words in Romans chapter 12. So encourage if you uh, have a Bible, open your Bible or your Bible app on your phone or um, physical Bible, open up to Romans 12 because we'll kind of just be referring back to it continuously throughout the message this morning. So Romans 12 uh, verses 1 and 2, you'll find a green uh, Bible on, on a row nearby if you don't have your own copy with of the, of the Scriptures with you this morning. And Romans is towards the back in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12, uh, I'm going to start reading at the very beginning. Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2, Do not, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank You that as, uh, as, the, as we're reminded in the Scriptures that Your Word is always living and active. It is sharper than anything able to pierce between our motivations and desires and get to the very core of who we are and so we say lord would you do that with your word this morning we open our minds and our hearts to hear all that you would say to us and all that you would do in us lord we pray you add your blessing to your word this morning and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you O lord our rock and our Redeemer. And we all said together, Amen, Amen. All right. Um, so when I was a kid, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite moments of the week was Saturday morning. You know why? Cartoons. It was, about, it was the only time of the week I was allowed to watch cartoons. I heard a few people saying sports. That's when you get to play sports, wasn't it? That's when you, you know. Uh, no, it was, that, that came after the cartoons. Cartoons started early. And you start early on the cartoons and you knew as a kid, right? You knew the lineup of when they all came. You didn't have this like on-demand Netflix and all that kind of stuff when I was a kid. It was you, you got what you got you know, on, on, and to, to, according to the TV programming and, uh, and, and you just kind of watched through. But you knew the lineup. And one of my all-time favorite Saturday morning cartoons was... Transformers. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, Transformers, not like the, not like the CGI overhyped versions that we have these days. I'm talking the 1984 original Transformers. You, you know what I'm talking about. You know, where you have, you know, these, uh, these, these different figures, whether it's a truck or a sports car or a plane or whatnot, and they would somehow transform into these warrior action hero robots. Amazing, right? It was the Autobots versus the Decepticons. See, there's a few fans in the room this morning. That's good. That's good. It's good to be among friends, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know about you, but like um, one of my friends, one of my good friends, I was a little bit jealous. I had a little bit of envy as a child because he had the original action figure of Optimus Prime. You know, this one. Because Optimus was my favorite. Anyone else? He was my favorite. Optimus Prime. Yep. Yeah. He was my favorite. What a legend. Uh, I, like semi-truck that can convert into this, uh, this, this warrior hero, right? I mean, and, and I don't know about you, but like I used to love it because I was so fascinated by how these things could transform from something into something completely different. You know what I mean? It was like fascinating. So when I get to go around my mate's house and I'd, I'd beeline for his Optimus Prime and I would just sit there for 
ages trying to like put it, you know, flip him from a semi truck into a, a robot and back into a semi truck. And how does this all work? And faster. Oh, it was amazing. I loved it. It was so much fun, right? How one thing can, can change completely into another thing. And the truth is, like, our world is fascinated by this, right? We love this stuff. If you look on Instagram, the hashtag Transformation Tuesday has over 16.3 million uses. That's a lot. That's a lot, right? Transformation, we're fascinated by transformation and how to change. I mean, you, 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 when you're on Instagram and you're looking up that hashtag, the algorithms will do their business and they'll start suggesting ads for you that'll be all about the latest book or course you can sign up to change your life, right? So that you can be a better you. How do you be a better you? Well, you've got to change some things about your current you so that you can be a better you, right? That's generally the narrative that, and how it all plays out. Our world is fascinated by this. Any bookstore you walk in, you know, you, any magazine rack you stroll by as you're going through the airport, whatever it is, there's all of these courses and programs and books and offerings that are all about change and transformation. We talked a lot about this just last week. We're all fascinated by this idea. And what's fasc- what, what I love about this text from Paul in Romans 12 too, is we learn this very important truth about how transformation actually happens in our lives. So if you look back in, in Romans 12 too, Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you're one like me who underlines and highlights in your Bible, that would be the phrase I'd encourage you to underline this morning. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That'll be the phrase we kind of focus our attention and and, and thoughts on this morning. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What Paul's telling us is that a renewed mind is central. It's foundational. It's key to our transformation. It's like the thing that allows us, if you will, to change from Optimus Prime, the semi-truck, into Optimus Prime, the warrior hero robot, right? That's, That's kind of, you know, a renewed mind, it's essential to our transformation. And so today we're talking about the renewed mind as part of our teaching series of embodying renewal. We kicked it off last week, we, t- uh, not, we kicked it off several weeks ago, but just last week, you remember, we are talking about how change is inevitable. Things will change. It's going to come, it's going to happen. And today I want to unpack specifically how we partner with the work of the Holy Spirit in that change and transformation in our lives. And I want to unpack it by looking at three aspects of transformation, of of a renewed mind. The purpose of a renewed mind, the practice of renewing your mind, and the outcome of a renewed mind. In my other role at Laidlaw College, they tell me that adult learners like to know where you're going. So here you go. You're welcome. We're going to talk about the purpose of a renewed mind, the practice of renewing your mind, and then the outcome of a renewed mind. Let's look at the first bit, the purpose of a renewed mind. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the purpose is pretty clear, right? He makes it, he just states it straight up there. The, the, he states it really clearly. The purpose of a renewed mind is for transformation in our life. That's the purpose of it. It's to transform our lives. And the Greek word here tra- for transformation is the same Greek word that uh, Matthew uses in, in, in Matthew chapter 17, where he's talking about the story of, uh, of Jesus being transfigured before the disciples. Remember that story in Matthew 17? Here, let's have a read of it together. Matthew writes, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There 
he was transfigured before them. That's the same word, transfigured. That's the same word as Paul's using for transformation, all right? He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Jesus changed and transformed before their very eyes. He looked entirely different. He went from one thing to looking like a completely other thing. You know what I mean? It's like those people that you used to work with who you haven't seen for a number of years and then you bump into them when you're on holiday down the beach and you're like, oh, I didn't, almost didn't recognize you. You look completely different, right? It's like that kind of a thing going on, right? Where you're like, oh man, I can't believe that this is how it is. Now the word uh, in, in Romans 12 too, where, where Paul talks about being transformed, this, the, the verb in the Greek is a present passive imperative. That's, the, that's the, the tense of the verb, right? So all the English majors in the room are going, oh, this is getting good. I'm glad I came this morning. Yeah, let's go. Present passive imperative. Uh, so let's unpack those things because it's, it's important for us to get our heads around this in, a, in order to understand what Paul's actually talking about, right? So let's start with the passive piece. Passive tense of a verb means that we're not the ones doing the transforming. We're not the agents or actors in the, we're the recipients. We are receiving the action or activity. Does that make sense? So we're the ones that are receiving the action or activity. In this case, we are the receivers of the transformation. So if we're the receivers, then who does this transformation? Well, let's allow Paul to help interpret it for us in, in the scriptures. Paul only uses this word for renewal one other time in all of his writings throughout the New Testament. He only uses this word for renewal one other time, and it's in Titus 3.5, where Paul writes, He saved us, meaning Jesus saved us, through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. It's the only other time he uses that word renewal. Renewal by who? The Holy Spirit. You see it? So who does the transformation in our lives? The Holy Spirit does. We are recipients, receivers of the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. I know you're all sitting there going, okay, Clint, this is kind of basic. We got this already, right? Stay with me. But, so the Holy Spirit does the, tra the transforming. But remember, that's only one slice of the verb. The verb is present, passive, imperative. Well, what does the imperative piece mean? The imperative piece means it's a command. It's It's expected. It's a command, right? And, and I don't know about you, but oftentimes when we think about a command, so we might be able to like rewrite this. We could essentially rewrite this as, um, I command you to keep letting yourself be transformed by the Spirit. That might be a, a rewrite of the same text, you know, of Paul's phrase. You know, I command you to keep letting yourself be transformed by the Spirit. And why is that important for us to focus on? Because if you're anything like me, when you hear a command, your instinctual tendency, because of our sinful natures, and I know you're all with me, is to do the exact opposite, isn't it? Right? Someone says, I command you to, you're like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Right? Like, so, but here, here this, isn't, this isn't the idea that Paul's going for. It's not that kind of like legalistic, there's right way, wrong way, in, in, you know, all that kind of stuff. What he's saying is, it, the imperative sense of the verb is, it's entirely possible for you to be transformed. It's more of a positive framing and a phrasing of like, hey, it, not, not like a, a command you it's like it's entirely possible you know like i urge you i compel you to keep letting yourself be transformed by the renewing of your mind it is entirely possible here and now because that's the first tense of the verb present present ongoing continually not just like a once and done thing but an ongoing continual that's the present so present ongoing continually 
keep letting yourself would be the way that I kind of re rewrote it, right? Uh, uh, then, then the passive piece is we're receiving the change, we're not enacting, the, enabling the change for ourselves. And then the command is, and it's entirely possible. It's like the sense of ex expectancy can rise up inside of us. We can be expectant and hopeful and, uh, and, and whatnot. Does that, does that make sense? Is that helpful? Keep letting yourself consistently be changed. But how do we do this? How do we allow this to happen? In Romans 12.1, Paul says, to offer yourselves, offer your bodies, your whole self as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, right? That this idea of offering our whole selves to God is the first step to being transformed. And how do we do that? What is the first step in, 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 in offering ourselves to God is the renewing of our minds is what Paul says. That's the first part of it. The Holy Spirit starts the transformation work in our lives by starting with our minds. You ever thought about this? Transformation begins with our minds or with our thought life, if you want to think about it that way. And here's why I think that's true. Because I think God is interested in our long-term change and transformation. I think He's interested in the long game. You know, God has all, He's all-powerful, right? He knows all things and is all-powerful. He could, like, in an instant, change the way you act and behave, you know, in a moment. Like, He can shift behavior modification and all that. would be great. But that doesn't deal with the root core issue. He's got to get to the core of it. And so he starts on the inside. He starts with our thinking, our stinky thinking. You know, he starts there and starts to transform that so that it might flow out in behavior and actions that are good and right and honorable and just and true and noble and holy and like God, right? He starts on the inside and works out. You know, he's not concerned with just the temporary change or the behavior modification might bring. He's in it for the long haul. And that's because he created our bodies. He created us as human beings. He created our bodies. And, and, and he created our bodies to function as the outworking of our minds or our thoughts. You could frame it this way. Like God is actually an expert neuroscientist. Right? Anyone familiar with... Uh, Neuro pathways. I know like this much, just enough to be dangerous. You know, neuro pathways, basically it's this whole field of study. So let me tell you all about it. Yeah, this is going to be good, isn't it, right? Neuro pathways is this whole fascinating field of study, right? Essentially, from my understanding, what I can gather is it's about the movement of information through our brains and out in and worked out in our bodies in action and vice versa that the way in which we act in our bodies and through our actions kind of then work their way back in and through our brains because the pathways are all connected. We are interconnected, integrated things. You know, that's who we are as people. We're not just kind of a brain on sticks wandering around. You know, we're interconnected, integrated, right? And in 1949, a guy named Donald Hebb, uh, developed the Hebean theory or Hebean theory. I'm looking for some help on how to pronounce that. I don't know. Um, you, can, you can decide how you want to pronounce it. He, it led to this whole theory of a field of study around neuroplasticity. Anyone heard about this? Neuroplasticity. A few people, right? This idea that actually our brain can change and grow over time. That neuroplasticity actually shows our brains can literally be rewired in new and different ways than how they previously functioned. And that's really important because the human mind, the human brain and our bodies are incredibly integrated and connected. 
And so a leading psychologist wrote, in the last few decades, we have learned more about the workings of the human brain than was known throughout all history prior to that time. We now know that, an incredibly, that by an incredibly complex physiological mechanism, a joint effort of body, brain, and mind, we become the living result of our thoughts. Lisa Miller, who is a, you know, a, a research psychologist at Columbia University in New York City, did an extensive study on the brain and the brain functioning and how it all works. And she writes this. She said, one of her findings, she said, the subjects for whom spirituality and religion were highly important had a healthier neural structure than did those for whom spirituality and religion held medium, low, or no importance. For spiritually aware people, the brain appeared able to protect itself from the long-standing neurological structures of depression. That's pretty significant, right? Basically, scientific evidence that is justifying and backing up, reinforcing what Paul tells us in Romans 12 too, right? It's like science is finally catching up with the Bible. That's a bit, that's a bit facetious, I'm, uh, facetious, right? Um, uh, you know, in terms of how we go, right? I mean, that's that, but, but there's, there's some truth to that, right? That actually, the powerful spiritual truth that shows that, that we are interconnected beings and, and, and our brains are, are a huge part of that. And that, that they, they influence and affect and shape our lives powerfully the way in which we think. This, is, this helps us make a little bit more sense of Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. Have you ever struggled a little bit when you read, like in Matthew 5, where Jesus says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. You ever thought about that? That's like... I mean, yeah, we go, yeah, Jesus takes a common understanding in the law and in the world at the time that, hey, if you do, if you commit murder, then you're subject to judgment, right? Jesus escalates it much higher and says, if you even think angry thoughts, then you're subject to judgment. See, for Jesus, he understands our thinking and our behavior are interconnected, they're integrated mind and body all connected, right? Jesus understands it. It helps us make a little bit more sense of this, doesn't it? You know, he, he gets it. He, he understands how we're created and how we're wired. He was human, remember? He lived it fully. Uh, and and, and we, we like to separate the two, don't we? I mean, our whole judicial system is set up where if you commit murder, you'll experience consequences far greater than if you have intent to commitment. You, you see the difference? Like, you'll get a very different set of consequences. There'll still be consequences, but they're very different, right? But we, no, Jesus says, no, 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 these two things are interconnected. Pay attention to how you're thinking because it matters. It'll shape your life, right? So how do we practically renew our minds? And, 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 and the way I like to think about it is, practically, if we lean into these things, this is how we participate and join what we know to be the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the second point, the practice of renewing your mind. The practice of renewing your mind. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says to, you know, train yourself to be godly. He writes in 1 Timothy 4, train yourself to be godly because godliness comes through training. It comes through practice. It's not something that you kind of just get you know he doesn't just drop it on us 
you know, he's interested in the long term. So we've got to participate and join in the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. Jerry Bridges in his book, The Practice of Godliness, writes this. He says, we Christians may be very disciplined and industrious in our business, our studies, our home, or even our ministry, but we tend to be lazy when it comes to exercise in our own spiritual lives. Anyone? You don't have to show your hands, it's all right. We would much rather pray, Lord, make me godly and expect Him to pour some godliness into our souls in some mysterious way. God does, in fact, work in mysterious ways to make us godly, but He does not do this apart from the fulfillment of our own personal responsibility. We are to train ourselves to be godly train ourselves to be godly. I love that, you know, oftentimes we talk about, you know, God is far more active and at work in our world and involved in our world than we ever realize. And the, and the joy for us as followers of Jesus is to discover where He's at work and join Him there. What a thrill, right? This is just the same, except it's happening on the inside of us all the time. We're discovering where the work of God, where the Spirit is at work inside of us. Where is He working inside of us? To transform us to change us into a whole new, like we talked about last week, into a whole new being, into a whole new thing. And we can participate and join Him in that work. Uh, and so training and practice are critical when it comes to discipleship or apprenticing ourselves to Jesus, our Rabbi, our Master, our Lord and Savior. And it's no different when it comes to the renewal of our minds. So I want to give you four practical things you can do to uh, renew your mind, four practices to, to engage in and live into as a way of participating and joining the work of the Holy Spirit. The first is to replace. Replace. This is the first thing you can do. Replace. Um, you know, we've talked about this one before a few different times over the years. Uh, if you've been around for some time, this is a simple, you know, replacement principle. A guy named, uh, pastor and author Craig Rochelle wrote a book uh, just last year called Winning the War in Your Mind. And he unpacks the replacement principle as two simple steps. He talks about remove the lie and replace it with truth. Remove the lie and replace it with truth. Sometimes you've got to start with like actually identify the lie, <laughs> like name it, name the lie for what it is, and then do the work of removing it from, from our lives and replacing it instead with truth. Craig Rochelle writes, he says, a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true will affect your life as if it were true. That's because, remember, we are integrated, interconnected people. That's who we are. That's how He created us. And some of you in this room this morning, I wonder, you're believing lies. Believing lies about God, maybe believing lies about yourself, about the world and your, your, your place and functioning within the world. You're believing lies and it's influencing. No, it's controlling your life. And so you've got to recognize that. Remove and replace with truth. Replace with God's truth. This is huge. It's, it's significant. It's not just a spiritual reality. In fact, we're seeing science is, is, is validating it as well. Martin Siegelman says, The most convincing way of disputing a negative belief is to show that it is factually incorrect. Remove the lie. Replace it with truth. It's one of the most convincing things you can do. Remove the lie, replace it with truth. The second thing, and this kind of leans heavily into the replacing with truth piece, is uh, to read. So we replace. The second thing we can do is to read. And I mean, when I say read, I'm kind of old school on this. Like, 
I do have a Kindle and I do, you know, read on the device and that kind of thing, but there's nothing better than the actual physical copy of a book. And it almost doesn't matter what it is that you're reading, but that you're reading. There's something that happens, again, neural pathway stuff. There's something that happens in the chemistry and makeup of our brains when we read. Something shifts, something changes. It's really good for us. And so, yeah, just to be reading is really valuable, really important. It's almost as if God knew this. And so He gave us His Word in a... Funny, eh? Reading's huge for us. If nothing else, it helps us to just get out of our head a little bit. Because we're, we're thinking about new thoughts and we're, and we're thinking about new ideas and new concepts or a new storyline. Actually, uh, one of the doctors in our church came up after the first service and was telling me how he was recent, recently reading a book um, called Stolen Focus, where it talks about all this kind of stuff and basically said, uh, it, studies have shown that those who, yeah, those who read, this, is, this validates exactly this point. He said, this is so true. It doesn't matter whether you're reading technical stuff or whether you're reading stories and all that kind of stuff. He says, the studies are showing those who read lots of novels and stories uh, are showing have an increased capacity for empathy. Those who read more novels are generally more empathetic people. I'm like, oh, that explains me. I didn't read a lot of novels as a kid growing up. And uh, anyways, uh, so thanks for that. He called me out. Uh, it was good. But no, 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 basically, but I mean, I don't, I don't want to just kind of say, just read anything, pick up anything and read, because I don't think that's actually true. Remember, we want to remove the lies and we want to replace with truth. So what do we want to read? We want to read things that are good for us, that are wholesome, that are true, that are beautiful, that are compelling, that are, that are rich, that are noble, that are just, that are, that are, that are righteous that are, maybe the best filter you could run across it is like Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Are these things, when I'm reading this, when whatever it is that you're reading, is this promoting the fruit of the Spirit inside of me to be more loving, peaceful, kind, just? You know, go, Galatians 5, go, use that as a filter for anything that you read. Pick up and read. Is this promoting these kinds of things inside of me? Uh, and, and so I just think it's huge for us reading and, and generally I would say reading the truth of God's word if you're not regularly reading God's word you're going to struggle with joining the work of the spirit to renew you allow you know you got to give the spirit something to work with so renewing the the the, the renewing work of uh, reading God's word is profoundly huge and, and I'll get to that in, 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 in a little bit as we come around to the end um reading the regular practice of reading god's god's word uh renews our minds and helps bring about that transformation in our life the third one so remove read write writing is the third one writing uh again old school with an actual pen and paper you know like um that physical act of writing is so valuable for us again there's something that shifts and changes within our minds and i love that a number of you regularly this is how you engage with the sermon on a sunday morning you come not just with your bible but with a notebook and you're writing while you know the preacher's up here preaching you're up you're taking notes and you're writing there's something really good and helpful about that that's because it helps us engage in a deeper way and oftentimes with writing um, it slows us down. Like if you're anything like me, where your, your thoughts and your mind runs at a million miles an hour really, really fast, there's no way my handwriting can keep up with the pace at which my mind is flowing. You know what I'm talking about? So it slows you down. 
to focus on what you're actually thinking. And one of the best practices, now I'm not a regular journaler, I must confess, my wife Jamie, she journals almost every day. You know, she's like six, seven days a week, she's journaling, she's writing something in her journal. That's, that's not me, I've got to confess. It's a, it's a discipline, it's a, it's a uh, you know, like I've had to work at this over the years, but for years I've been a sporadic journaler. <laughs> um, you know, where, where there's not large gaps of time that go between me, but I'll usually, you know, most weeks I'll be writing something in my journal, you know what I mean? And, and, and just the other two weeks ago, uh, I was noticing some patterns of stinky thinking going on. And, and just this practice, this practice of slowing down and doing like a thought inventory. Just take account of your thoughts. Where, you, where literally, I just took, I opened up my journal and I just started writing down everything that I was thinking. You know, I just kind of stream of consciousness style. And I took, took a, got to the end of the page and I just went, ooh. I don't like the look of that. I don't like the sound of that very much at all. And so then on the page opposite, I just started writing out things that I know to be true. Know to be true about God. Know to be true about His goodness and His faithfulness. That He is good. That He knows best and He wants the good and best for me. That, you know, like these kinds of things, truth. And, and it only took a few minutes, but I get to the bottom of the page and it had completely transformed the way that I was thinking completely revolution like transformed the way that i then lived out the rest of that day it was a change and transformation in a moment simple practice only took a few moments a few minutes but it revolutionized the day it was transformational so that physical act of writing and then the fourth one so replace read writing memorize is the fourth one memorize the psalmist in psalm 119 so much wisdom here this is way before modern medicine and psychology and all that kind of stuff this is this is the psalmist writing i have hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you look at the link between thought and action look at the link between mind and behavior he says i've hidden your word in my heart that's the thought that's the mind stuff right that i might not sin against you that's the behavior and action stuff right it's there all the way back psalm 119 verse 11 there's that link again and don whitney and wrote this he says when scripture is stored in the mind get this phrase it is available for the holy spirit to take and bring to your attention when you need it most a pertinent scriptural truth brought to your awareness by the holy spirit at just the right moment can be the weapon that makes the difference in a spiritual battle who of you can say, oh, I've experienced that. That's definitely been true of me. That was true of me just two weeks ago when I was having that stinky thinking and I started writing out the truth of God's word, the truth of who God is, the truth of who God says that I am, not who I say that I am, but who God says that I am, and, and choosing to believe those, allow those truths to replace the, the, the lies that I was believing. It's powerful. Four practical ways. Replace, read, write, memorize really basic i know but just remember last week we were talking about a children's story the very hungry caterpillar as a way of illustrating transformation and i thought actually we got to just keep it simple this is this is actually how god intends it to be transformation actually comes through the ongoing regular practices of these simple these simple practices you know the very hungry caterpillar from last week I know, i'm wondering if maybe some of you came along this week because you're like Oh, that was great. I wonder what children's book Clint's going to read this week. I'm in for story time again. Uh, sorry to disappoint. I don't have another book this week. Um, but I think, you know, the, the Very Hungry Caterpillar, it's brilliant, right? I mean, basically the whole premise of the book is that 
Change is certain. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's going to come. But sometimes, the nuance that I want to add this week is that sometimes that change takes time, and it takes effort, and we've got to work for it. It takes practice and living into it over time. And I want to say, that's okay. That's normal. Don't beat yourself up over it. Don't beat others up over it. It's okay. It's part of the rhythm of life. We all know that if the caterpillar had stayed the caterpillar forever and didn't undergo the transformation into a... No, no, no. I went first into a chrysalis cocoon. See, trick question. See who was paying attention last week, eh? Uh, you know, it was this, uh, the, the, the caterpillar who didn't, who, who would stay a caterpillar and not embrace that kind of secluded away, quiet space in the cocoon, um, that actually its whole life would end up being so deformed and malformed because it would not live into the true the true uh, destiny that it was created for, the, the intent that God had for it all along. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's an ongoing work now in the present. And what's the outcome of a renewed mind? Paul says it's entirely possible to experience it, to expect it here and now in this life. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, verse 2, and then... You will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. You'll be able to not just know what His good will is, but you'll be able to act on it. You'll be able to embody it and live it out. This is the outcome of a renewed mind. It transforms us from the inside out. We not only know what God's intent and will and desire is for us, but we can live it out. We're enabled, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit within us to live it out. So the outcome of a renewed mind is to know God's will and act on it. James 3 puts it this way. James writes, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The outcome of a renewed mind shows itself in wise and loving action because we're being transformed again from the inside out. You know, I love to think about how, like I said at the beginning, you know, how things change and transform. And, you know, that was part of my fascination with Transformers, right? And so, uh, you know, I've kind of been toying around with a number of different, like, theories of change. This is one that I think is really powerful and that we've, um, uh, I've spent a lot of time thinking about of late. Uh, you want to bring that triangle up, uh, Rachel? The tri- this, this triangle of transformation where you see this is, this is like a theory of change of how we are transformed, right? Where you see right in the center of the, the triangle, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that does the transformation. We are the recipients of that transformation, right? We receive it. How do we participate and be continually letting the Holy Spirit re- uh, transform us? By focusing on truth. You know, so that's the replace thing. We remove lies we re- and we replace with truth. We're, we're grounded and anchored in truth. We're grounded and anchored in God's word to us and his, the truth of who he is. We're, we're engaged in community. And, and so not just going it alone and thinking we've got it all sorted and figured out because who knows how easy it is to deceive ourselves, you know? It's real easy to think we're living these holy God, Christ-like lives when you're living it on your own. The minute you start living it with other people, they start pointing out the things inside of you right? That are less like Christ. Anyone? Anyone experience that? You know, it's really good for us. It's a good thing. Now, you know, it can be done in better ways than 
than, than, you know, there are better ways to do this than others. And so a healthy sense of community where we're iron sharpening iron, spurring one another on towards love and good deeds, as the, as the writer of Hebrews says. You know, this is, the, this is the goal, that we would be that kind of community, one with another, to, to with all grace and truth, lovingly point out our faults one to another, not so that we can condemn and judge and one-up and be like, oh, I'm glad I'm not as bad as you. You know, none of that. It's more, man, so that we can become transformed. We can have our minds renewed. We can have, you know, like, honestly, sometimes, sometimes it takes someone else close to us to point out the stinky thinking, the lies that we've been believing. Anyone experienced that? Where you've had someone in a power, I know for me, a number of times over the years when someone has said, oh, Clint, where'd you get that from? when they've heard me say something out loud and they're like, where'd you get that from? That doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like the, the voice of God. That doesn't sound like the Holy Spirit. That sounds like something else. And I'll just call it out like that, you know, graciously and lovingly. And man, it's been powerful. And then not just call it out, but then they'll say, here's how I see you. And they'll speak truth. They'll speak truth in love. You know, they'll say, this is, this is who God sees you to be. This is who, you know, and those things, man, it's not just, they don't hit, they don't hit you here as in like your brain. They, those things hit you here. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, that is God's word for me right now. And it's transformative. Anyone experience that? You know what I'm talking about? This is the gift of community, friends. It's a tremendous gift. Uh, to experience that, and then practices. So we, we, we join the work of the Spirit through focusing on truth, engaging in healthy community, and then these practices of living it out. And, these, and I've given four really basic, specific practices for the renewing our minds, but it's gathering weekly in worship is a practice. This is how we practice, right? Gathering together in, in community, one with another, in life groups, where we, where we gather together and receive from the Lord's table, when we, when we fast, when we pray, when we read God's Word every day. You know, these things transform uh, how we engage and live increasingly in the way of Jesus that we might be transformed increasingly to become like Him. So that's, the, that's kind of a working theory of change, I think, in terms of how we are transformed. We need truth. We need community. And we need practices. You take any one of those three away, and I don't think you'll, you'll experience full transformation. I think they're all essential. But ultimately, it's not, but ultimately, you can do those three things, and if you don't have the Holy Spirit in the center, you might change a little bit. You might have some behavior modification going on, but I don't think you'll experience transformation. I don't think that long-term, whole-of-life change and transformation that that Paul is in, in, in inviting us to. I think, you see what I mean? I think it's all integral and it's interconnected and integrated. And so let me give just a few words around um, how, to, how you might like live into this this week and actually specifically apply it um, if God's speaking to you around any of these things. The first is, let's talk about, um, you know, replacing lies with truth. And, 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 uh, and, and I want to just start by saying, friends, you've got to be reading God's Word. Remember we started last year with the rhythms of life? Remember what they were? Pray, bless, notice, rest. Pray, bless, notice. You remember that? The third one, notice, was all about noticing what God is saying to us through His Word every day. There's a reason why we prioritize these things. It's a practice that transforms us. It does. Reading God's Word. If you are not in a regular practice, a regular rhythm of reading God's Word, then you're not giving the Spirit enough to work with in the transformation 
uh, obviously God's beyond, you know, all of that, but, but you get what I'm saying, right? We want to we give things for the Spirit to be using inside of us, like that those words that we treasure are hidden in our hearts that the Spirit can then activate and aliven in key moments that transform and change us. So if you're, there's, there's all kinds of options. We live in a day and age where there's like more resource and option around Bible reading plans than ever before in human history. That can be really helpful for you. So you can go to just Bible.com, um, or you might have known it previously as YouVersion, uh, you know, or you get the Bible app, you know, you get the Bible app on your phone, and there's all kinds of Bible reading plans, like some, some, some that are like three days, or a week, or three weeks, or three months, or a year, you know, and, and, and if you've been following Jesus for some time, I would say if you've been following Jesus for five years or more, and you have never read this book cover to cover, front to back, then I would exhort you, I would challenge you, you should read the whole thing. Get into it. Read the whole thing. There's all kinds of options. You know, I, I used to, for years and years and years, I did the, the, the one-year Bible. That was my reading plan, where I'd read through the Bible every year uh, for years and years and years. I'm not doing it th- currently this year. I'm doing a different one, but that's, you know, that, that was my rhythm for a year, long time, years and years and years. Read through the Bible every single year. I'd encourage you, if you've never done that, go for it. Go hard. Uh, so Bible.com, all kinds of uh, reading plans there. Also Bibleproject.com have great resources. Um, again, have their own app and Bible reading plans, and they've got these cool animated videos that help give an uh, overview of different biblical books that can give really helpful context and background so you understand a little bit more about the context that, uh, you know, that's going on when, the, um, when it was being written and whatnot. So those would be just a couple resources I'd point you to. And then uh, the, th- the third one there is, is linked to my, my next exhortation is to start memorizing God's Word. Start memorizing, like, like, like the writer of Psalms says, have God's Word hidden in your heart. It just fuel, you know, get, feed, feed the Holy Spirit some good fuel to use in your own heart and mind, you know. And one of the best tools and resources for Scripture memorization, I think this is one of the greatest gifts of the navigators to the body of Christ, is this, their topical memory system. They are known for, they've just emphasized and, and encouraged Scripture memory for, memorization for a long, long time. And their topical uh, memory system is really, really good. If you go look up this website, so navigators.org, resource, topical memory system, that one, um, if you go look that up, especially, I would say this is, this is poignant and really applicable if you would say, I've identified some lies that I'm believing in my life and I'm struggling with the replacement journey. I'm struggling to bring truth to those lies. This is really helpful because they've got scriptures kind of categorized around certain key truths. That's the topical piece in the, in the, in the, in the bit there where, where if you're, uh, you know, certain lie, you're, be- you're struggling to believe that you are loved by God. They'll have a list of scripture passages that speak directly to the truth that you are a precious, treasured, beloved child of God's. You know what I mean? And so you can go find those scriptures and commit them to memory. You know what I mean? As a way of like directly counteracting, directly like a weapon, right? Against those, those t- tactics and tools that the enemy is trying to use to take you down. Um, so really helpful, um, I've found over the years. And then, and then I'd encourage you maybe take the, take the thought inventory like I did. You know, just grab your journal. And, and if you find yourself in a pattern of some stinky thinking, um, just start, start writing it, writing it out. Even if, it, no matter how ugly and confronting it is, just, just start writing it out. Um, and, and, but don't stop there. Then go on to write the truth. 
of who God sees you as and who God says that you are and who, you know, write, write that out. Take that thought inventory. Think about what you're thinking about and see how God uses that to transform your life. Friends, the truth is that renewing our mind does take some effort and some time and, and some consistency and, and discipline as much as we don't love that word, right? It's not necessarily easy work, but boy, it's so worthwhile and it will lead to transformation because we know That's the work of the Spirit, and the Spirit is committed to getting it done. So the more we can partner, the more we can keep letting the Spirit do that work, not resisting, not hindering, not putting obstacles in the way, but actually partnering with, finding where the Spirit is at work inside of you and joining Him there to see your life transformed. That's what God wants to do. He longs for that for you, and I long for that for you as well. Paul says, be transformed through the renewing of your mind it's entirely possible he's doing it he wants to do it and he can do it here and now it's present keep on doing it keep on going this is what god wants to do in your life and i just long for that for you as well and so we're going to come to close as we as we do each week with another practice the practice of coming to the sacrament of the lord's table where we are reminded again that our salvation, our freedom and life in Christ is not something that we can earn, not something that we deserve necessarily, but something that God willingly and graciously has done and provides for us. It's a similar concept, right, in terms of how we are transformed. It's, we don't do the transformation through reading and writing and replacing. And, you know, that's not, that's not the Holy Spirit does the transformation. 